So Biff, I got tired of the kids finding where I was hiding the Christmas presents. And I was telling a friend of mine. And so my friend says, why don't you just, you know, storm in a dark room down in the basement? And I did. But now I have to listen to him screaming to let them out. I have to listen to them. See, I put the kids in the basement, not the present. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. You know, okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, you'll like this one. Biff, I will really. Okay. Yeah. Why is a day at the office just like Christmas? Why is the day at the office just like Christmas, Jock? You do all the work, but some guy in a fancy suit gets all the credit. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I mean, Joe went through this for two years. You know, we should ask Joe how he dealt with all these stupid jokes week in and week out. You, can you think you can go ask him, Jock? Okay. Give me a sec. Hey, Joe, how did you put up with all these stupid jokes for nearly three and a half? Yeah, there was a three and a half year run. I've taken up heroin. <laughs> That's why you're so skinny and sexy. Heroin chic, as the kids call it. Heroin chic. Thank yeah. you. Uh, hello, Hi, everybody. everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll get to the introductions. I'm Joe. I'm Biff. And I'm regretting joining this podcast <laughs> again. Joe did that a couple years ago to me at the start. He's like, yeah. and I'm shot. And literally a deer in the headlights. It was the simplest, you know, but, but I, I was, I was thro so thrilled. So I, I don't know if we're, we, we got, we got a sideshow ready to go or, or what we'll do, but maybe we're, we'll think about year end stuff and year end list and, and goals for 2022. But as far as this one, let's kick it off. Right. Um, I, Per Joe, you know, I, I was going to watch it anyways, but Joe called me last week and like, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. You stop and you go watch the Beatles get back right now. And uh, I think I spent the better half of the next two days not doing anything except watching him, laughing, crying and texting all my friends saying, I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> But you stop what the yeah. fuck you're doing right now and watch the Beatles. Yeah, and I really need to watch it also because I, you know, so I grew up. Uh, Beatles was my first kind of uh, my entry into into rock music, and so you know I adore the Beatles. But it's just been a such a horrid week. You know, one, I, today is the last day in which I had to be awake at four in the morning to start my day to you know get stuff going. So finally, I think I'm on that you know holiday run cruise. I tomorrow, maybe not, but. Starting this weekend, I do plan on catching up. And I know there's a lot of footage. I've seen like Help and I've seen uh, Let It Be. I never saw Hard Day's Night. So, uh, and I'm, I think there's footage from just all over the place, right? And I know I, I have seen a lot of Let It Be footage. And I don't know if it's the same ones, but, you know, so I'm kind of excited to see, you know, that, that whole thing. Uh, if you saw Hard Day's Night, you will get the reference. He's very clean. Um, it's, Maybe it's I kind of watch Hard Day's thing. Night first thing because I never watched. I saw Help, but never, never Hard Day's Night. So, J Joe, did you finish? Did you finish this journey? I absolutely did. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's um, a, yeah. It was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fantastic. You, you, you can't. You don't want to leave them. That's the thing is that you, it, you know, that it's an eight-hour journey through, like you know, three episodes, but 
it's like when it's over, it's like, oh, wait, that's it. That's right. Oh, all right. They break up. That's right. <laughs> we, we will. We will do after you get to watch it, Biff, we got to yeah. do a sideshow. We, we, we just, and you know, but it's funny because, because Joe and I, you know, talked about it. I watched episode, almost episode one by myself. Management came home and she was watching the end with me. She's not a big Beatle fan, but she knows her shit when it comes to it or, or, or the, or the major bullet points. And then she came home the next day when I was halfway through episode two. And much to my surprise, she watched the rest of episode two with me. And then she's like, and it was a work day. And I'm like, oh, maybe we'll watch episode. No, we're going to watch episode three now, motherfucker. And we did. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't know. I don't know why I found it a surprise. Other than the fact, you guys both know how hard I work not to know shit. If, you know, to, to, you love to not know. I love to not know if I'm if I'm going to see a movie, how hard I'll work to not see spoilers. I didn't realize they were going to show the entire rooftop concert. And right, right, right. And, and, and the so, yeah, so so I. I fancied myself a Beatle expert. I, I, I did at one point in my life, you know, friends would quiz me. It's like I couldn't I could name like the track listings in chronological order on each album and yeah. you, you know i could tell you stories about Pete best and, and, and you know and and their time in germany and all this stuff and i've seen every tape every footage every special you know every city has a breakfast with the beatles sunday morning show on a radio station you know here you know there's always somebody who's two degrees of separation of knowing the Beatles or knowing <laughs> Billy Preston and, and, and I'll listen to all their stories. I essentially 50 some years on this plane um, thought I was a Beatle fan, thought I was knowledgeable. I knew shit about the Beatles until I watched this, like, like what I didn't know, you know, would fill Dodger stadiums eight times over. And I, you know, two of the big takeaways I said to Joe, the other day, like I get to the gym, I'm about to go in and Joe, I was talking to Joe on the drive there. I sat in the car for about what a half hour and just talking. Yeah. And then finally yeah. I said to Joe, I'm like, you know what? If it was 16 hours, I would still want more to which Joe told me. There, I think is going to be a Peter Jackson director's cut. Where yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. That's because at, at the beginning it says in, on text that the original, t you know, filming accumulated like what was it 80 hours of like video and like film and then audio or it was like 80 hours of audio and you know 40 hours of film or something like that and it's um it's just fascinating that uh you know yeah there is when peter jackson first finished this special it was like yeah like 12 hours long or something and it's like yeah you know even for for what was it on Disney Plus? Even Disney's like, yeah, we got to pare it down and make it a little bit more palatable. So, you know, three days worth of material over eight hours. I think that's the attention span of most, you know, <laughs> hardcore you know, Beatles fans. I don't know. But maybe it's the people that I follow. Maybe it's the people I talk to. But nobody I know who nobody I know said, yeah, it's too long. Yeah, it was OK, but they kind of lost me at this part. Um I'm, I'm going to I know what Joe's answer is going to be, and, and it's kind of a spoiler, but we're going to throw it out there. If you had one wow takeaway, what would it be, Joe? Oh, gee, let's see. Uh, I mean, I think the my wow takeaway was. 
I guess would be Paul McCartney predicting that 50 years from now, people are going to be saying, oh, you know, when the Beatles broke up, it was all because of that Yoko, you know, because Yoko <laughs> Ono sat in on um, all of the re recordings. Um, not that she was disturbing anything. She was just there. Like, and if anything, she probably was the reason that John went to record more music with the Beatles. You know, he, he, they were like this, you know, perfect codependent couple where they kind of fed off each other's energy. And, and uh, yeah, but it's funny just to hear Paul just sort of like, you know, on film say, you know, there's because they're reading in the papers that, you know, Yoko's insinuating herself or John's devoting more time to Yoko and less time to the Beatles. And Paul's like, well, that's, you know, kind of dismissing it and saying, isn't, wouldn't it be great like 50 years from now? Or I can imagine 50 years from now, people blaming Yoko for the breakup of the Beatles, which they hadn't broken up yet. Although George was making a good go at it at one point. But, but yeah, I mean, and, and like Joe and I talked, if Ringo had said that, it would have some impact. It would, it would diminish some of those rumors. If, if George Harrison said it, it would have some more impact than, than Ringo saying it. But the fact that it was Sir Paul McCartney who's like, how ridiculous is it going to be that somebody, and it's true. Most of them had their wives there, but they were in the control room. Like Paul McCartney had his daughter there one day who's hitting all the drums and sitting and playing with all the instruments. And it was kind of a sweet moment. But at the same time, a little annoying. Like, can we get any shit done? Get the, But yes, Yoko sat there quiet as a field mouse and just, you know, John wanted her. And it wasn't like the other ones didn't have her. It's so, it's so shined a light on. And one of the fun things, one of the really fun things is while they were tuning up or while they were waiting for this member or that member to get there, they would take turns reading the tabloids about themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, as far as Yoko goes, right, I think there's there was there are several things that made Yoko a target. Number one is that, you know, she's an Asian woman that didn't behave like an Asian woman. Right. And not, you know, obviously not in the footage with the Beatles as much as, uh, you know, the way she was out there as this kind of in your face, you know, liberal protester type. Right. So I think I think that certainly didn't help the narrative that she wasn't this classic subservient um um a geisha girl kind of right thing. right yeah. so there's that aspect of it but i i think the other problem was that i don't know if you have either one of you watched let it be oh yeah right yeah, back, in, back and forth I mean, and that it, and that's it, yeah it's a brutal watch right i mean it's it, it, it kind of it's it's not well edited and it's really really hard to watch and there's just so much bickering but if you watched let it be it's like yeah, these guys were at each other's throats all the time. Well, what's funny, what's funny, Biff, is when you watch this, yeah, they were, but they weren't. I, right. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, this this takes place, what, about over about 20 days, Joe, about 21, 22 days? Uh, yeah, pretty much like the most of uh, February. I'm sorry, January of 1969. <laughs> and, and what's so funny is they keep counting down and they have a hard out and they kept reminding you why, but you kept forgetting why. It's like, wait a minute, why do they have a hard out? It's because Ringo had a movie to go shoot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the uh, magical Christian was that what it was called with Peter Sellers? It was the magic it. Christian. Or it wasn't caveman. It was that was his first thing. No, it was the magic Christian with Peter Sellers. Oh, which uh, is why Peter Sellers stopped by to say hi. Spoilers. 
you know, but, but anyway, now you're going to say, don't tell them that Billy Preston stopped by too, because okay, that's okay. a major spoiler. It, it, look, we're, yeah. we're not, we're, I'm already doing the sideshow. No, after Biff watches it, but, but yeah, I mean, with, with, with the original get back, like, you know, um, documentary. Yeah. They got the most sensational stuff out there and it, it, it really turns out that they, they liked each other, but we'll have a whole sideshow, but yeah, but the takeaway that, you know, the one of the two big takeaways for me was the fact that, you know, Paul said what Joe just went. And then there was a private conversation that the film crew hit a microphone at a lunch table that John and Paul had this great conversation after George Harrison basically quit and left. And, and essentially the conversation is like, okay, we both are dicks to him on a regular basis, but right now you're being the more bigger dick to him. So you have to go say, you're sorry, I'm going to go with you. But, but it was, they were both like, essentially it's like, yeah, we're both dicks. So let's, uh, let's go. What does this say? From everybody <laughs> oh man. I'm trying to be discreet with the chat. It's okay. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, other other movies I find I saw the Eternals. I've been waiting a year plus to see the Eternals. Uh, I like me the Marvel movies. I don't and in in our years doing the podcast, Joe, and my years with you, Biff, it might have come up. I'm a fan of the superhero genre. I, I I'm shocked to hear that. I, wow! I, 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 wow! So you like boobies too? <laughs> big ones. Um, you know what I like most about big boobs? Uh, Everything big boobs and uh you know he's uh, anyways but but getting back to boobs no but with the eternals much like i went into guardians of the galaxy knowing of them but they're a d-list property i knew almost nothing about the eternals and it was a fun ride and it's fun how they've woven them through history and it's one of those things where it's like it turns out that Thor was part of Nordic legend and he was a real person and all. So it was kind of fun. But there were so many characters. If you quizzed me when I came out on who was who, you know, Wait, when was, you came out, oh, when you came out on who was it? Oh, I, when you say when quiz me on when, when you I, came when, out, I, yes, I, no, I thought you were talking about something else. So. No, I'm still deep in that closet. I was about maybe. to congratulate you. Well, thank you. But uh, but no, it was fun. It was good. But I'll have to see it six more times before I could pass any rudimentary. OK, which one was this and which one was based on this? But it, it, it was definitely fun. Uh, what else was fun this week? Uh, fun and awful. I I was, you know, born in Boston, but the first five years of my life, you know, we, we lived right by Niagara Falls. Slowly I turned. Um, but uh but every time somebody came to visit, we went there. I've probably been to Niagara Falls. Joe and I went to Niagara Falls in 96, yep. 97. And, and I know of all the stories, but this last week was the first time in my life we witnessed in real time a Niagara Falls, somebody going over the falls story. And um, I don't know if you guys follow that. Do you hear about that this week? I did not. No. Somehow a car wound up in the river and it was a breaking news story as the car was making its way to the falls they could see somebody in there the helicopters came in there was a, a woman inside the car who was unconscious that you know dramatic helicopter lowering a guy down and taking 20 minutes to get the woman out sadly she 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 did not survive like she passed away. I don't think she was DOA, but I think later that day when they got her to the hospital, she didn't survive. But mm. then like two days later, the car went over the cliff 
Like there was no way. And it's still submerged. It's like every few years they, they cut off like the water, like to repair X, Y, and C. But as of right now, there's a car, you know, that went over the American side of the falls and there was no, there's an investigation of how it wound up. <laughs> and, 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 and there, I mean, she might've had a, like a health crisis, right. As she was driving in, you know, right. Somehow got her way into the, hopefully it's not a suicide kind of a thing well either but, way it's sad that she's dead but still yeah. Yeah. but what but what a way to go uh you know so so biff biff had reached out today and said hey we can do the typical holiday stuff you guys want to dive into the holiday stuff our favorite movies songs and foods or do you want to do the rest of the stuff and circle back to the holiday stuff what do you think what do you think joe oh me I, i'm just uh, i'm just listening <laughs> uh, you know, we could. Why don't we end on a high note? Yeah, okay. let's get. Uh, yeah, let's go through the awful because I'm guessing that there's awful in the room no. now. There's not in this not, great country. You know, there's there's not too too much. I mean, Where everybody's I, healthy and everything is all right. Come on, how, well, how bad could it be? I, I told <laughs> you that my. I, I think I texted you guys that our town's number one. That my city of Lowell is number <sighs> one in Massachusetts. Congratulations. Congratulations. With COVID. Oh, don't. Oh, yeah. You got like, me again. Like, like, like literally, I, I think I think Lowell is probably one fifteenth the size of Boston. But and it's not I'm not talking per capita. Yeah. I'm talking actual COVID cases in the school. More COVID cases in the school systems in Lowell than the great shitty of Boston. Well, and you got to keep up with the Chinese. I mean, we, 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 we really do. We really do. No, but 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 it's it is. It's crazy. It's absolutely, absolutely crazy how, you know, the, our little city and, and to the point where the schools just made two announcements came out this week. One is, OK, you know, we had a bus driver shortage at the beginning of the year and we called in the National Guard. Uh, our bus driving situation has gotten worse because a lot of the cases that have been popping up are the bus drivers, which is, you know, that that's fantastic. So we're going to be combining routes. The buses are going to be dropping your kids off late. The bus is going to be picking your kids up late. So, hey, buckle up, everybody, except for the people on the buses, because there's no seatbelts on buses. To oh, and by the up. way, two of the buses are armed with a bomb if they go over 50 miles an hour. <laughs> Um, so, so, so that's a lot of fun, you know, and the other notice that went out this week is, Hey, everybody, um, the city of Lowell is going to have vaccination clinics at every school. And here's when they're going to be at your kid's school. And by the way, if you want to come in and get, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, does that include boosters though? I mean, cause if it includes boosters, I get it. Right. And, or if it's also, I will say in all fairness, like if there are parents that have a hard time taking time out of their out of their work to take their kids to get their you know their shots you know i get it right Th that's great but so so uh, with that premise go ahead and continue yeah no so it is it's it's just you know on the way our kids schools like 2.1 miles from here 1.1 mile from here is a vaccination center that's where you know my little guy got his shots that's where I got my booster a couple of weeks ago. And I, I'll be honest, every time I drive by and that parking lot is packed, it, 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 it does my heart good to see yep. that packed. But the number of people not vaccinated, teachers, or just I can't imagine it's that many breakthrough cases. It's funny because my sons have a friend that the, the, the mom and dad uh, bring their kids to the same roller skating place. I bring my kid most Wednesdays and they weren't there for a couple of weeks. And it turns out the dad who's He's a little older than me, 
but I, or maybe he's younger than me, but it, it, it's been a longer road. Oh, he's than Sparky I've been Anderson. <laughs> yes, he's Sparky Anderson. <laughs> and, and and it's like he found out, like, you know, Tristan, you know, my little guy mentioned I'm a drummer, and he's like, Oh, I'm looking for a drummer for a band. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not your guy. I'm just <laughs> and he's nice enough guy, but you kind of get this vibe. Well, it turned out we didn't see him because he got COVID and the kids were out of school for two weeks. Uh, I go to pick up yeah. my little guy from from drama the other day. I'm sitting in my car. He comes walking by without a mask on. His daughter has a mask on and he comes to say hi. And I'm like, hey, how you do? And I kind of put my hand up to nicely stop him. But I'm like, hey, I hope you're feeling better, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, motherfucker, you know, it's like, yeah. What, what what are we doing? You know, why, where, where's your goddamn mask? You know, it's like, I yes, there are breaks. Where's your dress, Mary? You know, <laughs> so I was, I was like, oh, you know, and, 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 and this is why. But then again, you know, you know, and, and I have no problem putting us on the podcast. I'll tell you guys, I, I, you know, I don't, I haven't talked to my brother in a little while. He had knee surgery last week, which I didn't even know he was in the hospital for a few days for replacement. I call him, I check in and he's like, I'm like, what's going on? He goes, yeah, we're a little worried now because his one of his kids, he goes, yeah, it looks like he has COVID again. Let me oh. repeat that for people at home. Yeah, he has COVID again. And I'm like, oh, man, he goes, yeah. And he's really mad because, we're, you know, his wife was coming home with a test because he's been home for a few days and they're worried he has it again. And he couldn't go to his hockey game last night. I'm like, well, you know. If you think he has COVID, it's probably good you didn't go. He goes, oh, no, like he would just have, you know, he was just throwing up. So he wasn't, you know, he couldn't go anyways, but we would have gone. And 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 uh, and yeah. I was right. I'm like, yeah. I can't argue with him. There's uh, nothing to say, yeah. except those are the motherfuckers that are keeping this bad situation, you know, you know, going worse. But but that's our COVID update. How, how's things in California, I, Biff? Uh, You know, it is what it is. Um, So. I think they're reinstating some of the other uh, protective measures again. So it's going to be a little bit more uh, uh, stringent about, you know, uh, I think they're bringing back the mask mandates. Uh, so for a while, they had this basically rule, this basic rule that if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And I think we're going back to everybody wear a mask kind of a thing, right? So uh, that kind of, I think that wanted to affect maybe the previous Wednesday. But you know, all in all, I think Southern California is, or Los Angeles is a little bit more mellow than, say, OC, where there's a lot more resistance to a lot of these COVID measures. So, mm -hmm. um, so you know, it is what it is. And I, I guess the mask thing is the thing that just kind of completely fascinates me about this country. And only because of the, you know, my basically, my basic standpoint where being Japanese, like in, in Japan, uh, this is, regardless of COVID, when people were sick, they wore masks. I mean, that's a, if you look at like just random Japanese videos, you'll every every once in a while catch people with those you know those medic those kind of those cloth cotton masks, and when they have that on, it usually means oh yeah they have to work but they're sick, and so that's why they wear the mask. So that's kind of an ingrained thing you know to the Japanese. So so like I never had a resistance to the mask period right it's like oh you know i don't want to be the a-hole um uh not wearing a mask when i'm you know not well so now that we have this pandemic yeah i'm okay with it right so it is there's something that's different about this country i guess but you know when the wife and i lived at disney and universal 
and we would see Asian people with the mask, we, we would always kind of half jokingly say, it's like, are they wearing the mask for their protection or ours? Like, are, are, you know, do they not want to get our, our germs or, or are we, uh, are they spread, you know, and it's, it is, it's like one of those cultural things. And of course, Oh, and know, we also wear it when it's allergy season, by the way. Super, super smart. It's like I will always the rest of my life have a mask in. And if I have a call for anything like that, yes, I don't feel like civil liberties are totally being trounced because I'm going to go into Ralph's for 10 minutes and wear a mask. You know, it's like I, I it, it is what it is, but it, but it's ridiculous. And 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 how, and how about the the great city of Slummerville? How how are things how are things in <laughs> Slummerville with COVID? You, wow. you got, that's I don't know because I don't live there no more. No, but, yeah, but you know what? It's always in your heart. It's always in, <laughs> uh, so speaking speaking of slums wow. and rundown hell holes. What's going on in your crime written Japan these days, Biff? Well, you know, I, I thought that I had nothing, but it turns out that people are doing some renegade. These, I always, I kind of prided myself to some degree in terms of how the Japanese are like so law abiding and just generally kind of compliant when it comes to essentially, you know, uh, doing the, the right thing. But I found out that there are areas in Japan where there are people who are just doing these renegade things. And when I say renegade things, I'm talking about building illegal bridges. So hmm. I want to stop there. And I want you to think about illegal bridges and why okay. there would be illegal bridges. I'm well, thinking about those bridges to nowhere. Remember those that bill? That's, that, a, that's, yep. in, LA, that's in LA. Yep. There's one in LA, at least anyway. So the reason why they have these renegade bridges is because so Japan has a lot of these little kind of canals for a combination of flood control and whatever else and so people were building these renting these essentially um uh bridges so that they don't have to walk to the real official bridges that might be like 300 yards away so they could take a shortcut across those canals so that maybe they could get to their neighbor's house more quickly or get to a bus stop more quickly or whatever so this has, I guess, I guess, brewed a controversy that has forced the cities to tear down these renegade bridges and replace them with the proper bridges of their own. Which, which, which is funny because it, that was a long video that you it's said. It's a long like, video like, because they went to a bunch of different places. And, and, and I'll say again, a little disappointed that they showed me actual yeah. bridges and versus the CGI the and the, the reenactment. Yeah, I know. Like that. I, it's, it's, it's been, it's been, you know, I want to say it's been like a slow few months in the news in Japan, but then you know what? It always is. So it's <laughs> like, these are troubled bridges over water. Kind of like that. Yeah, that's what it is. Nice. You know, the engineering to these makeshift bridges, I got to say, look pretty okay. Look, look, look yeah. pretty sound. Let, let me put it to you this way. You know, the shit that makes the Japanese national news are often like crazy stuff that they see in other countries. They, because there's just not enough going on in Japan. That it's sounds like a reality country. show challenge. You know, it's like, okay, today, guys, you're going to build a bridge. And you only have 30 hours and three sticks and yeah. go. Three sticks. Uh, it, you know, so it, it was fun. Uh, Joe, moving on to video games. You got anything for us? Oh, no, not really. Although 
kind of i don't know if this is more of a i are we doing a what are we watching thing lady lately later but right now it's random video game reviews random video games no you know what i haven't really been playing a whole lot of games uh i, I i'm sad to say but what i'm watching is game related so i guess i'll okay. hold on yeah i'll take it i'll take it what do we okay oh so we'll hold up okay yeah now we're going to circle all the way back to COVID. I'm sorry. We're going to circle back to sports. Yeah. Biff, why don't we talk about COVID in sports? Holy crap. I mean, so, and you know, I'm only paying attention to the NHL, but my God, there's been a freaking slew of cancellations because of COVID. You know, my favorite is the Carolina, Hur Carolina Hurricanes, where they have like, uh, two players and like maybe one uh, staff that's uh, left behind in Vancouver and another like four players left behind in Minnesota and they had to cancel games. But now I think so. And there's a few teams that had to postpone a few games. So now they're going to um, reinstate some of the old um, COVID uh, protocols that has to do with, you know, more these uh the, the masks and the, the whatever you can't go out and all that stuff uh and but the, i think the big news from all of this is that the big thing about this year and the nhl season is that the nhl accommodated for the olympic break with the idea that the players want to go to the olympics and that's a concession that the nhl the league made to the players as part of their uh, collective bargaining ag agreement because the players want to go to the olympics <clears throat> the nhl doesn't want the players to go to the Olympics. But now we're at a point where people are asking, do the players really want to go to the Olympics? Because uh, we've had players pull out because if they get COVID in China and you know the uh, Winter Olympics isn't going to be in Beijing, if they get COVID in Beijing, they're going to be stuck there for three weeks quarantining. So we'll see how that goes I, I i i don't know for a fact i haven't followed too much has COVID made its way to china yet i don't know i mean i th i think that and you know it's one of those things where you know news out of china is kind of tough to come by you know like it's a very secretive country and stuff like that so maybe if i do enough internet digging and you know i actually know a friend who works in hong kong so maybe i'll ask him to see <laughs> if they haven't had any COVID over there you know so what so um, the Bruins played Calgary last Sunday right. and, and Monday it turned out, I want to say seven or eight, at least six, seven, possibly eight players on Calgary all popped for COVID. Now right. here's, here's the fucked up thing about the NHL for the two listeners who might not know the NHL that well, as far as I know, Biff, correct me. There's only one player. One player in the NHL who's not fully vaccinated. Am I correct in saying I that? Think it, I Aaron think Rodgers plays hockey. <laughs> right. I think there's actually a second one. I know one of them is Tyler Bertuzzi. There, there was like three, and I can't remember who the second one was. So, Another one, um, uh, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood of the New, Jer New Jersey Devils did get vaccinated. I think he's actually due for his second one, but I think there's a third one who's a player we don't care about. But yeah. So, so. For those who don't know, basically, not basically, you can't go to Canada, even if you're in the NHL with with all the strings pulling and all that stuff, unless you're fully 100 percent vaccinated. So it means those players have to miss anywhere. If you've got a team in your division or whatever, you know, four to eight games, 10 games a season. So everybody in but Canada, you 
But in all fairness, Tyler Bertuzzi plays on the Red Wings and, you know, they're a crappy team. So who cares if he doesn't go to Canada? They're going to suck anyway, and they want to suck. So, but the whole point is Calgary, uh, you know, Canadian team, everybody on that team is fully vaccinated. That is correct. But yet, yet six to eight players in one testing cycle all popped. Omicron, baby. Omicron. They they played the Bruins, and now three days later, you know, three different players from the Bruins, unfortunately, two of their three best players, you know, um, Marchant, and, you know, Marchant gets off a three game suspension, plays two games or plays three games. He gets off a suspension just yep. in time to do the Canadian three game swing. They get five points out of a possible six, come back, and then he's out with COVID, another player out, third, fourth line guy, and then Patrice Bergeron. So yep. honestly, the, their top line is now out. Same thing. And the NFL, after the, I don't know if they test Sunday night, they test Monday morning, but this past Monday, last Monday, a week ago today, uh, from when this podcast drops, 32 players tested positive. Now, that's only one player per team, but it wasn't one player per team. Some, so, I, you know, when this podcast airs, you know, we're recording it early. Uh, but when we, this, uh, uh, we, Time out. A little yeah. production meeting. Okay. Um, I'm an outsider. I don't really know much about podcasting, but. Um, I might not know about podcasting. I'm not. Yeah. I'm an unfrozen caveman a podcaster, but what I'm thinking is, is that do you really, does it really matter when you publish this goddamn public hey, podcast? Hey, I mean, can you, can you publish, publish it tomorrow? Like, I, I could. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I, I could. mean, like who, who cares? Like it might as well be fresh. So people have, or so, you know do you want people to listen to like week old? No, stuff? no, you know what? Maybe because we're going to New York on Friday for, I got to go to New York on Friday for work and the wife and kids are going to meet me out later. So that's why we had to do it today. But I, the, the the reason it they go to Joe's Pizza. No, I I I, I, <laughs> I want it. I wanted <laughs> to. Pizza. I wanted to preface this because it's going to be interesting what happens this coming Sunday because I want to say that out of the forty five man roster last week on the Cleveland Browns who are fighting for a playoff spot, eight of the players in starting, including the starting quarterback, are all on the COVID list. Yeah, you know what? Everybody's fighting for a playoff spot except for, like, the Jets. And, that's true. That, no, that's true. But, Jet, I mean, right. there's, like, three teams not fighting for a playoff spot in the so, so, so the talk around the NFL now is like, holy shit, it's going through this team and this team. It's like, would you rather get it now in early December, mid-December or in three weeks from now when you're going to the playoffs? But the whole, the whole argument is so, like – yeah. Well, Cleveland will lose and the NFL, unlike in the same thing, the NBA won't push games. I want to say the New Jersey Nets, they dressed like four regular players and the rest were call up because they had like eight people, eight people or seven people on their 12 man roster pop for COVID. So they had to call up their entire D-League squad, which brings up two points. It's like, first of all, just fucking move the game, because if I'm a fan and I'm paying NBA prices to see D-League players, I'm going to be, if you get a call up, it happens. You get two people called up, it happens. But the fact that the NBA or the NFL will not push games because of this, and I forget, there's another team, there's another team, too, whose coach had COVID over the summer or something like that, has both the shots and the booster, like got it again, and he can't go. So this is raging through the sports world. So it does raise a, there are, there has been some conversation in the, at least on hockey Twitter, and that's the only Twitter that I really follow because I don't care about the other sports. But so the difference between hockey and NFL and NBA is that is the high rate of vaccination. As you mentioned, essentially, you know, the numbers, 
probably no more than two NHL roster players are unvaccinated. Whereas in other sports, I mean, we're, we're talking about major stars. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just one. I mean, I think that maybe half the quarterbacks are unvaccinated in the NFL, right? So whatever the, the number is. So one of the discussions in the NHL side is that, you know what? We got vaccinated with the idea that this is going to help us from, from being really, really sick. And so far, that's actually kind of, you know, how it's played out, right? Players test positive, but they're not really getting sick. So one of the things that they're talking about is that, you know what? Just let them freaking play. If they're not, if they, if they're not showing symptoms, if they test positive, who the hell cares? They're going to be fine, right? So that is one of the narratives that's going around, at least in the NHL, just because everybody, the vaccination rate is so high. Having said that, the vaccination tracking is really just for the players and not for the other people around them, right? So that's where the problem is. I mean, the coaches, I don't know what the vaccination rate is for the coaches, the trainers, the equipment, play, you know, all of the, all the other peripheral people. Those are the people who are going, going to be threatened by the essentially the infection rate. So we'll see. But that's one of the things that are being kind of thrown out there where the players are saying, hey, we complied with this vaccination stuff because we didn't want to interrupt the season. We already got hit hard with it. You know, we complied. Just let us play is some of the is kind of the sentiment that's kind of being thrown out. So we'll see. You know that yeah that was that was the talk here. It's like you know what what's the point of delaying all this? Anyways, it's so basically COVID's still here. It's gonna be here. Um, you know it it, it sucks. Okay. Uh, now, what are you watching, Joe? <laughs> well, um, to, to tie it back to video games, um, you know how I like to watch old TV, right? Just classic television, classic Japanese television. Um, and I say that because I stumbled upon a Japanese show that is, has been running, I guess, since 2003 and it's called uh, game center CX. It's about a guy named Arino who, uh, puts on a jumpsuit, like he's going to work, goes into like this, you know, corner of a conference room or an office with like nothing on, you know, no, no frills. He sits down and every episode he's challenged to f complete an old school classic like Famicom game, which is the Nintendo or Super Famicom, which is the Super Nintendo, like some classic retro game. And then he'll play from like 10 in the morning to like midnight. Sometimes it takes two days, whatever. But it's it's great. It's like it's a it, he, he's like an average guy. Like he's I guess he's a comedian over there. And he's like, not like a rage, you know, player. Like he's not a gamer. He's just a guy who's, you know, he has like this team around him of like younger guys who are probably better at games that help him out when he's in a real jam. Like if it's been like literally like three hours and he's still on the same level, somebody will come in and pinch hit for him and get him through the, the stage. Um, and it's just, it's just fun. And then there are like interstitials where he'll go to other game centers, which are, what they call arcades in Japan. I don't know if you know this, Biff, but <laughs> um, they, um, they they show like just like little, you know, little arcades or game centers around Japan. And it's like a little travelogue of just like everyday, 
you know, Japanese culture from, uh, you know, from a foreigner standpoint, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's like fascinating and it's fun and it's light and it's, and it's pleasant. And uh, I'm, so I'm watching this, I'm binge watching these episodes that are like, they've been on since like Oh three. And I'm, I think I'm on season six and I think there are 20 seasons or something like that. So yeah. Sorry to bore the uh, non-gaming <laughs> audience. No, but, that um, sounds, that, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it, it, I, I, yeah, I watched, there was an episode where they did like their first live challenge and it was like a revisit of an old game that he had like, you know, in the, within the world of the show, he had famously like gotten real close to beating, but didn't. And then the basically if either finishes the game or he doesn't, it's like they consider it a winner or fail. And so they revisit it. They get back to like the point where he failed the last time in front of like 650 people on like a big screen. And it's the most, it was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen in my life. Where <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> like, the crowd was cheering him on. He was like down to like his like last life or whatever. And, you know, he beats the game finally with like, you know, all this help and, and all these, you know, ups and downs. And it was just like, great. It was like the most like life affirming thing I've seen <laughs> in a long time. I, I will say Japanese TV programming is still kind of as advanced as people try to make out Japanese, you know, things, culture and whatever to be. There's a lot of Japanese things that are really still kind of backwards. Like, you know, the variety show format is still a thing in Japan. I mean, yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. As it should be. Joe well, and I yeah. are big fans of those. Right. Yeah. You know, Paul you know, Lind would be killing it right now he if he were still alive was, in Japan. And, and yeah. Japanese. Right. Exactly. Right. But is, I, there a Jap- is there a Japanese Paul Lind that we don't know about? I, I, I think that I could, I could probably map like the various, you know, the uh, Amer- and I have to go back to probably the 70s, 80s to really, you know, create the cast of char- characters, right? Like we're talking about the Paul Lins and the uh, Charles Nelson Riley, gay and, but you know, not gay kind of guy. Yes, yeah. Well, they don't have to be gay, right? They could also be like you know John Davidson, right? So yeah. or Liberace, <laughs> right? Bert, women Bert love Convy, Bert Convy. Oh, Bert Convy, yeah, he's oh, a great guy. Oh, all those people, right? So those there are equivalents to a lot of those people probably you know that i could you know uh but and i guess there's always there's been like a long time fascination with these japanese show i remember i want to say 30 years ago i actually um was speaking to some people at nbc trying to get some um um clearance for some uh uh footage for that they owned and they said well um we i want to i want to try to get footage from this other show can you get me this you know and it turns out that the the people that i was working with wasn't the network that owned that particular footage that they were looking for but it's like like 30 years ago they were they were they were already looking at you know you know a lot of that stuff and i think there's been some of those goofy japanese shows i think there's that i don't know i can't remember what it stands for but it's like xmc where people go through these stupid you know uh these the, these water yeah it's wipeout it's wipeout 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 right yeah right yeah they, so and they, they, they they did they, they you know like in the mid 2000s you saw a lot of those game shows right. 
coming over from japan like they did right. one uh there was one called hole in the wall hole in the wall okay. yep. yeah yeah and yeah and a, and a couple of others but yeah yeah i think completely Cloud, different than the hole in the wall show that i watch on you porn yeah well you know the wipeout they actually had the wipeout in my neighborhood um they had the that whole thing set like i went fishing one day and there was this huge slide contraption thing with all these people and they still let me fish from the other side but yeah, I loved Wipeout when yeah. with John Henson, the American Wipeout with John Henson and so John great. Anderson. So they, great. They they rerun them on like, I think they have like a Pluto TV channel yeah. or like there's like a local over the air channel in Boston okay. that has right. like Wipeout. And I don't know, yeah. I, I'm getting a Wipeout tangent. We can do a Wipeout side we show. We should do a Wipeout <laughs> side, side show. Wait a minute, I'm not on this podcast. I don't care yes, what, what side show you are talking you about. So I'm, Biff, what are you watching? What am I? Well, so I will be watching the Beatles uh, get back, but I mean, uh, aside from that, I will be also watching with my child the uh, the new season of Demon Slayer, which is an anime series, which is um, what it's one of the biggest anime things that has ever been released in Japan. And to kind of put it in context, they uh, released a movie in 2020. Uh, so there was a TV series, they had season one, and they released a movie that is uh, associated with that in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, and it broke all of Japan's box office records, which is insane. In the middle of the pandemic, they broke all of Japan's uh, box office records. It is that huge. So I am psyched to see the, uh, the second season, which essentially uh, picks up where the movie left off. So yeah. That's what I'll be seeing probably with my son. Are you a Cowboy Bebop fan at all? I, I know about Cowboy Bebop. I have not watched the live action series. And I know there's some controversy about the fact that it wasn't renewed, but you know, it is what it is. But right. Yeah. The uh, funny I, thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I guess there's, I, I, I heard an actress you know, they were talking about this uh, on a podcast I was listening to where she was great. I guess the character she plays in the anime world is a over-exaggerated, like zero waste. What like, are you talking about over-exaggerated? There is no over-exaggeration. Tri triple in, E breast. Japanese. Well, I don't know what you are talking about. Tri triple E <laughs> breast. Those things do not zero waste. Japanese pieces of work and, and artwork she, i don't she, know what you're and, talking about and she's what do you call that um a regular woman you know and she's like yeah sorry i didn't live up to your expectations yeah but, yeah, yeah uh, that woman doesn't exist in the real world you dumb fucks yeah. um for me uh I, I'm, I'm of course knee deep into hawkeye and it's another mc you mean poor batman you know, poor Batman. Uh, no, more, 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 more like, more like poor man's Green Arrow. Uh, but it's great. And there's, a, poor there's man's a, Green Arrow. My God, I guess Green Arrow has superpowers. Is that what it is? Well, no, no. Green Arrow is just an archer, just like Hawkeye is. But and, doesn't the, doesn't the ring give him some kind of a superpower, or is he that's just, Green Lantern? Are they both lame? That's Green. Oh, Green Lantern. Lantern. You yeah, monster. You monster. Uh, but what's fun about this is there's a couple of YouTube shows that I really like that. If, if the episode's 40 minutes, it's an hour-long breakdown of here's what you might have missed. And, and when I watch those, I love them. They're so much fun. Uh, I will tell For you. you. I will tell you. No, you, you look at it. It's like, God, this, this no, guy has three. You overrate how much we care about all this thing. No, no. They're great. You, no, what are you, you talking you about? They're great. These texts about saying, oh, this is the greatest. Is it? No, it's no, 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 no. I, I think it's great <laughs> that this guy gets three. I know you years. think it's great. 
No, I think it's great that this guy gets three million views breaking, but he does. They're really great. Now let me make my so let me tell you this. Don't fight, mom and dad. The series starts. The series starts off. Hawkeye, you know, takes his kids to New York City for Christmas time, and they go to a play, Rogers the Musical, and it's an. I want to see because my wife found the song. They have a song. I could do this all day, you know, Captain America's big catchphrase. And it is this Hamilton-esque big budget play number. And I'm just watching that. And we're just like, oh, my God, I would give anything to go see this play. It is awful. Some. But uh, but that's what I'm watching besides going back and watching Beatles, you know, get back again. Um, now, now. Wait, wait, wait. We haven't asked Joe. Joe, yeah, yeah, he. he oh, yeah, we were talking about, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, so that, that, I, the, the, the Japanese thing. That's right. That's why right. am I even here? Go. You know, I'm why am I even here? here? Eye candy. Eye candy. Oh my god. <laughs> now, I meant to start off this episode, yeah, by saying Merry Christmas, guys. Seriously, okay. Merry Christmas. By the time this post, whenever it posts. We established and that you're canceled. Uh, no, no, it is Christmas time. It is Christmas next week. And, and seriously, uh, Merry Christmas to, to Merry the two Christmas, of you. everybody. Merry oh, Christmas. God bless us. Everyone. everyone. All right. Now, let, let's get into it. Uh, my list will be different than, than, than Biff's, um, which no. also means my list will be right. His riff will, will be wrong. Are we doing the best? Are we ranking drummers in Christmas songs this year? <laughs> what are we doing? Neil Peart did a version of no. First of all, Neil Peart, uh, uh, six or anyways. Biff, J- Christmas in Japan. How big of a deal is it? Christmas in Japan is equivalent to Valentine's Day in this country. Okay, it's a day uh, where people un- understand what's going on. They exchange gifts, and it's not a day off. And people and and women get pissed off if you don't get them something. Is that what happens in Japan? Probably. Well. Uh, <laughs> It's a Valentine's Day. It's actually a complicated thing. Maybe we should talk about this another day. But let's just say, in Japan, Valentine's Day is a is a day when the women give to men, but not the men giving to the women. Mm-hmm. Honey, we're going to Japan for Valentine's <laughs> Day. Oh no 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 no! You don't want to go there. Oh, because see, February fourteenth is Valentine's <laughs> Day, a day when the women give gifts to the men. And there's a variety of standards, right? So there is the standard that's called the obligatory chocolate. It's a giri choco for the, well, maybe Scott can ask his wife what giri choco means. But what it means is that that's the obligatory chocolate that women have to give to certain men because they're they're all obligated to do so. Typically things like uh, people like who are their, you know, co-workers and seniors, uh, their superiors in office and stuff like that. The thing about Japan is that Japan, like many Asian countries, is um, the gift-giving practice also involves a reciprocating practice. So on March 14th, there is a thing called the White Day, and that's when the men are supposed to- Finally, we're getting our own day. Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. So, um, So the standard is that the on the White Day, the men are supposed to reciprocate at a at a rate that is higher than how they received it. So for the giri choco, the obligatory chocolates, the men are obligated to uh, reciprocate at roughly the twice the rate 
of how what they receive. So if the women in their department gave gave you like ten dollar boxes of chocolate, then you're supposed to reciprocate with twenty dollar items. It's a profit deal now. And if it's uh, if you're like if you're actually kind of like dating and stuff like that, the exchange rate is somewhere between five and ten, depending on how serious you are. So if the if the if the if your girlfriend gave you twenty dollar chocolates, then you're expected to give back anything from a hundred to a two hundred dollar valued item in return. So that is a Japanese reciprocating gift reciprocating sham. And I can see why suicide rates are so high in Japan. Well, that's a different <laughs> issue altogether. But yes, so so yeah. Well, well anyway, so yeah. as a kid, so your first. You moved to Toronto when you were 12, 10. No, my, well, so I moved to Toronto when I was five. Oh, that young. Uh, no, no, okay. no, when I was seven. So I, I've been in New York and Toronto, but I moved to Toronto when I was seven. Okay. Do you, Sorry, do, we do, got do, off do, on, a, on a Valentine's Day do you uh, have, tangent. Do you have a, 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 a special Christmas in Japan memory? You know, the thing that I love, so two things about Christmas in Japan. What I love about Christmas in Japan is that they go out of their ways to make these cool-looking landscape, uh, this this scenery-looking Christmas cakes. I love the Japanese Christmas cakes more than anything because not only are they delicious, because for some reason they're I don't know why, but the Japanese really really bake well. But the other thing is that they look beautiful, so they're often like these cakes that depict scenery and stuff like that, and so they're delicious. I really hate the fact that my favorite Japanese bakery in Little Tokyo closed down in like 2016 or so because every year I used to go out of my go out of my way to order cakes from that place pay you know $60 for a tiny cake that looks beautiful but and also delicious but that's your that you know that's that's its own thing so uh, so that's one element of it and the other wacky thing about Japan though is uh you want to talk about crazy propaganda? I think starting in the 80s or so, somehow KFC convinced the country that Christmas Day is a day for KFC. Hmm. So if you want to buy Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Day in Japan, good luck. Because if you didn't reserve your bucket of chicken for Christmas Day, you're not getting Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas. Christmas uh, Christmas Day at KFC is like Christmas Day at Honey Baked, where... Everybody's in line to get the pre-reserved bucket of chicken that they ordered weeks in advance. Interesting. You know, what's funny is that in America, you know, traditionally Coca-Cola kind of owns Christmas because of their sure. marketing yeah. and yeah, the yeah. creation of the Santa Claus image. Guess who owns KFC? Pepsi. Ooh. Pepsi owns KFC. So they're cornering the market in Japan with Christmas. I'm well, putting the system on trial. You. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, let's get into holiday stuff. Let's start with TV specials. And 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 Joe and I have done deep dives into this. But uh, Biff, what are some of the favorite Christmas specials, like made for TV, that you like? I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of the the Gene Kelly Christmas stuff or Gene Kelly uh, holiday stuff in general. But I am a huge fan of the Peanuts, uh, you know, and obviously that that Charlie Brown Christmas has so much going on where the Charlie Brown Christmas tree is a thing on its own, right? So I, um, as a child growing up in uh, in 
in Toronto where I spent a couple of years where I'm learning the language. The Charlie Brown Christmas is one of those things that it's easy to understand. So I'm a huge, I am a huge fan of the Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, yeah, which can now be seen exclusively on Apple TV or something like that, right? <laughs> it used to be a CBS thing, right? Yeah, now it's, I think they showed it on ABC at one point, and then yeah. now it's on Apple TV Plus. I don't yeah. know. And, and that special CBS holiday, like little, little, uh, you know, yeah, opening CBS thing. special twirl. Yeah. Oh, so, so great. Uh, uh, Joe, what, what are some of your favorite TV specials? Oh, uh, well, let's see. Well, of course, there's the Rankin Bass stuff. Um, you know, I've kind of, you know, gotten away from that in recent years. Now that my kids are older, it's not as much fun to kind of watch those things on your own as an adult, uh, or with your, you know, older kids. So I don't know. It, um, I, I do like to go back and watch, uh, stuff from my childhood, like Garfield Christmas, Garfield's Christmas. And that's a fun time. That's a great special. That was from like 87, 86. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, for TV specials, I would say, you know, go to would be, you know, your Rudolphs, your, uh, your Frosties, but uh, don't sleep on Garfield Christmas. That's a, that's a good one. I, um, management and I, about a week ago, watched prep and landing part one and then prep and landing part two, just us, the boys weren't doing shit. And she's like, Hey. Let's watch. And we love him. We absolutely, Dave Foley is the voice of this elf. And, you know, they came out, I want to say in like 2008, 2009, the first one, and then like 2011, the second one. And they're, they're really, really fun. It's a, it's a clever take, um, you know, on, on very old stuff. Yeah. All the rank and bass stuff. It's like, although I, I do want to slam one, I'm going to do, I, I have to do a slam. I'm yeah, sorry. Please. You know, you got to. And it's a modern slam. And okay. I didn't, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too sensitive. I don't know what's wrong with me. But Santa Inc. on HBO Max that premiered this year. What a hunk of shit. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Okay. What a hunk of shit. It's it's uh, it's claymation style. It's you know, it's it's supposed to be derivative of the Rankin Bass style. But the plot is Sarah Silverman plays like the third in command to Santa's like she's like the third elf in command to Santa's empire and santa's played by seth rogan and you know all-star cast it's all great you know great actors and stuff but it's it's like hard r-rated raunchy kind of stuff so it doesn't this, get... this is clearly two jews ruining christmas is what you're saying yes you know what you, you called it i i didn't want to say it so so between the fox tv christmas tree being set on fire and those travesties those those, those two you know uh uh um old so one two one Old two punch there, 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 so what we're saying here on carnival personnel there is a war on christmas well there's a war on my eyes and ears <laughs> with santa ink because watch the first episode just check it out oh. just watch the first episode it's it's raunchy for raunchy's yeah. sake yeah. and uh. it it kind of i mean it, it goes the pl- nobody the, the one the thing i let me calm down for a second. <laughs> the The whole point of this show is that Sarah Silverman's character uh, sees an opening where she somebody's going to supposed to take over Santa's position, like like the the current Santa is going to retire or something like that, and there's supposed to be a new Santa that's coming in, or somebody that's going to move oh, up in the ranks. His actual 
occupation position, not yes. another position that involves Mrs. Claus. Okay. Right, right. So, exactly. So, he, um, so the Sarah Silverman character wants to become the first, you know, woman Santa, which is like, fine. Okay, whatever. But I don't give a shit about any of these characters. Every character is despicable. They treat Christmas like it's like some sort of like, like, like if Elon Musk ran Christmas. Okay. So, you know, or like, uh, you know, Elon Musk's meets Jeff Bezos, you know, like running Christmas. And oh it's like, God. I don't know. It, and it's, you know, they create like the sort of bro atmosphere with the current operations of, of Santa's workshop. And, and, and I don't know, I, I, I got where they were going with it, but they were like, you know, just it was like they were throwing fuck like the word fuck was like, i thought quentin tarantino wrote this script for him for Hotman because there were so many fucks in there but yeah I, I maybe i'm getting older you know i'm a ripe old 44 so you know it's about time that i start you were you know, born older <laughs> what, how's that um no you you unsold me you, no i will not go watch the first episode no will i watch the second one i'll go oh. back and watch prepped and landing again <laughs> Oh, so one, one, one other thing I forgot to mention is that uh, the I discovered David Bowie on the Bing, Chris, the Bing Crosby Christmas special, and I had no idea that I had discovered David Bowie. And then, like, years later, I found out, hey, that's the dude that was on Bing Crosby. So, <laughs> so do you know, the, the, quickly, the story on that is one of my favorites. Uh, David Bowie showed up for that taping uh, dressed as David Bowie. And, and very androgynous, but over the top, like him and his either girlfriend or wife at the time had like Joe Namath's sideline Angie fur Boy? coats on. You know Angie, what I mean? Angela Boy? I don't I don't know who he was with at the time, but he had like these huge, huge fur coats, tons of makeup, you know, his hair, all this stuff. And Bing Crosby's like, uh, no. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, you're not going on my special like that. Like, you know, it, it they they were not uh, simpatico and basically David Bowie being smart enough to realize it's like, yeah, I can be David Bowie over there. But if I want to be a big hit here, I'm going to have to kind of kiss the ring and, you know, take some of the makeup off and and, and, and do all this. Wait, wait, I mean, so imagine you don't know who Angela Bowie is. Wasn't it his manager? She was like, well, no, 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 no. That's not the important thing about Angela Bowie. The thing, the important thing about Angela Bowie is, you know what? I don't want to go into it, but maybe later on, look up, do a Google search on Angela Bowie and Mick Jagger. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, but no, that's a great story. Um, yeah. But getting back to the special, so I like Prepped and Land. Yeah, I love, I love like you know, Year Without a Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. But one that did not make the list that either one of you mentioned. It, it, we're going back 20 years, so it's a classic. Uh, South Park, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poop. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's you know, it's I think South Park is its own category of things, so yeah, I you know, I love it, but yeah, it's its own category. Uh, well, don't forget about the spirit of Christmas, but that started it all, right? Right, that, uh, that that's you know, we don't have South Park without the spirit of Christmas. Thank you. Again, Joe being on this episode is a Christmas miracle itself. That's um, right. But no, that's I do, I do, I love, you know, how the Grinch stole Christmas. But the peanuts, I, I, I still like the peanuts. I love the Christmas tree, the Charlie, and you can't. There's a Christmas tree 
you know, farm like five houses down. And every time we go and look and you see like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree there, we always joke. It's like, that's our tree, Charlie Brown. Uh, but just the other day, you know, we're listening to Christmas songs and the Christmas music that, you know, and, and it's funny. I wish Biff was there. I wish Joe was there. I wish anybody close to our age group was there because the wife and I just started doing the peanut dances. Like, you know, so she was doing the shoulder street, the shoulder shrugs. And yeah, yep. Joe's doing it now. I was doing the hands out to the, from the hips going out to the side, bouncing back. <laughs> and our sons are looking at us like, okay, we know our parents are fucked, but it's got to critical mass where something has to be done. And we're like, ah, oh, you dumb bastards don't know what you're missing. Uh, but I will, I also want to throw out an awful, as we talked about, thanks in large part to Joe coming over a couple weeks ago. I now know the Christmas special. It happened one Christmas. And I'd like to thank you for bringing that awfulness into my world, Joe. But you're welcome. Merry oh. Christmas, you old building and loan you. And then the other one, and Joe and I talked about before, uh, uh, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is fucking awful. That Christmas special is fucking horrible santa is a prick like you oh, should be ashamed of yourself you know they treat rudolph's nose like a birth defect and how sensitive are they exactly that santa storms into dasher's house and tell him he should be ashamed because his child has a birth defect and and i saw a meme the other day i think i forwarded to both of you guys on, on the twitter machine it's like yeah i is santa coming to ask rudolph to uh to guide a slate tonight. He goes, yeah, I got a red nose and a fucking long memory, old man. <laughs> you know? uh, so go watch Purple Landing. It's a story about bullying. It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 okay. Now Christmas specials. Uh, Joe, just give, just give me, it, it, give me the top three, Joe. Just give me the top three. I know, I know you're going to have the right answer here. Top three Christmas specials? Uh, yeah, movies. Top three Christmas movies. Movies? Uh, movies. Listen, dude. Man, you're you're fucking me all up because I was gonna go specials and okay, I was go gonna special. go, go top three Star special. Wars holiday special. Right there, boom, that's one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Christmas uh, movies. Uh, do you want to go movies now? Is we're going into movies. About? We're going into. Movies. All right. Oh God, it's got to be uh, you know uh, Scrooged. That's one. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Christmas Vacation from my generation. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. Watched, did, 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 did we watch that when you came over? Yes. Did, okay, we watched yes. that. Yeah, it was good. Yes. But it's not on the top three. Mm, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, fair enough. The correct, fair enough. The correct answer. Oh, well, Biff, what, what are the maybe maybe Biff has it. Biff, what are the I top mean, I three? know the number one answer. I, you know, I have the family feud background on my <laughs> Zoom call for a reason. I know the number one answer <laughs> to the best Christmas movie. I hate to say this, but my favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. <laughs> Yes, that's I've come around. I, you know what? I just saw Die Hard for the first time last year. 20. Wow. 20. Wow. I was not a I was not like an action film person mean, growing up. Like and so I, like it, it took you till now to actually see the Yippikaye. I saw it in clips and then like right, right, right. I, I, and I heard but, the debate about it being a Christmas movie or versus not a Christmas movie, but I got to say, it is a great fucking movie. It is. I love it. I love. Yeah. And it, it, you know what? And you it know, is a Christmas movie. And the late great <laughs> Alan Rickman. Come on. Oh, yeah. 
and, you know, and so and so uh, Batman Returns with Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but Biff, what are, what are the three best Christmas movies? I don't know. Um, okay. So I, I, I think I, to me, it starts with um, uh, with like I said, Die Hard is the one that it is my favorite Christmas theme movie kind of in line with uh with um with gremlins so gremlins and die hard to me are like equal level and then everything else is third place so i really <laughs> so that's kind of where i'm at so the correct I, answer go for correct it, you know. answer is elf oh yes eh, i mean it's good but i mean you know what yeah sure scrooged uh-huh and then joe the number one survey says it's a wonderful life Completely. Now, if there's a fourth place finish, this can be debated, but you're wrong. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I, I submit as a Christmas movie, as much as Die Hard or Gremlins, it's a nightmare. It, is. Before it, it absolutely it's is. Christmas in the title. And as you guys have known, and I, I will post this on the Twitterverse, our house, I always tell people, it's like, you know, my wife lives for Halloween. And I live for Christmas. So year round, our house kind of has that Adam's family nightmare before Christmas motif to it. And now our front lawn, because we do, we have a gigantic inflatable of Oogie with lock, stock and barrel. We have Jack Skeleton riding a Christmas train with zero. We have a 12 foot skeleton decorating the Christmas tree. And we also have a uh, Christmas unicorn. It's just a unicorn, you know, inflatable that the changes colors that they put like, you know, a little bell on. Uh, and then, of course, the Christmas Millennium Falcon. We are that house. I am proud that we are that house. So but but the, but the favorite thing is like I've gone outside a few times or I'm outside. I'm getting stuff out of the car and we have this kind of turnaround spot in the driveway and people, you know, sometimes pull over thinking it's like an extension to the road. But about a half a dozen times in the last couple of weeks, I've, oh, who's here? Oh, it's just somebody pulling over to take a picture in front of our 12-foot skeleton. And we did. The, the skeleton we got for Halloween, um, somebody actually said, it's like, wait a minute, you spent that much money on a yard decoration you only have up for a month? I'm like, you know, <laughs> hold my eggnog. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you know, what, you know what the sad reality of that is, is that um, I I'm, and I know I, I'm not going to argue with you about who's a bigger fan of Nightmare Before Christmas is, but I actually went to see Nightmare Before Christmas in a during the special engagement at the El Capitan Theater in oh. Hollywood. During which time I I somewhere in buried in all of my crap is probably like like essentially the event exclusive like little little badge and crap like that mm. from that showing so if i ever do find it i'll be sure to send Please. it over to you hey joe do you, do you know the el capitan theater in hollywood yeah i mean that's where the jimmy kimmel live show right. was originally filmed or whatever it's, it's almost a so. hundred year old theater it's owned by disney it has this great balcony but they put on a pre-show like a live pre-show you know all the time and it's it's all it's owned by disney and it and look for all the evils of disney when disney owns something right <laughs> weird right a couple things uh, okay so i'm gonna give honorable mention to uh like the worst i don't know if it's the worst christmas special i, I think joe you just handled the worst christmas special this year i'm going out on a limb i might be on an island 
Christmas story is so fucking overrated. It's fine. I love the leg lamp. Look, there's elements of that yeah. I love. I also heard, you know, I, I, I was talking to a, a friend, a producer friend who, you know, was telling me a story that maybe it's well known, maybe it's not. The kid whose tongue gets stuck on the pole, that really happened. And they didn't tell the kid it was going to happen. And the kid, I guess, was a complete prick. And so the director's like, yeah, I mean, it could never happen today. Like, like they wouldn't allow this to happen on a set. But, the but you kid- know, it's right. You know, you know, what's funny about uh, Christmas story. Yeah. It's a Christmas story became more and more popular when TNT started doing the 24 hour marathons. I think it, at least in, you know, in my generation, I mean, it came out in what 80. I'll say, yeah, I'll say this though. I don't think, I don't know that it's the worst. I definitely think it's overrated, but. Anyway, so go ahead, go ahead, Joe. You were making a point about it being this ancient thing. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> this ancient artifact. Uh, I didn't know, you know, I um, I, I didn't watch it as a kid a lot, but you know, I uh, you know, you, you hear about the 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 scenes and the thing, but now it's like it's become like this like enterprise, you know, like they kind of they turned it into a, a musical that's actually in Boston this year. Wow. Um, I think it's like in Boston, like every year. I don't know how, how the touring company does it or if they just do it in like multiple cities around Christmas time, like like the Rockettes, you know, like they would right. just go around. But uh, like Peter Billingsley, I guess, kind of turned it, who's to stars as, uh, as, as Ralphie. He, he like became like more integral with turning it into like a franchise. And now it's like, you know, it's still making money today. You bought the leg lamp, you know, you're, you're getting all the, all the swag from the movie. I did, so, yep. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's important. It's from Fragili. Right. <laughs> Ooh, Fragili. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some problematic scenes, but you know, there are some very good, relatable, like just um, like, I guess, real life type situations, like the licking of the flagpole, like getting your mouth washed out with soap uh the you know the bb gun you'll shoot your eye out that the, the, the creepy santa atmosphere at the mall um <laughs> and i'll say and as an asian man like the fact that they're put off by a head being attached to a bird like as if like you know meat comes from like some magical you know grocery tray pack thing and not an actual animal right it's like right right of course it's there's a head associated with it right so right. i thought that that was a very american thing where a lot of Americans are put off by heads being attached to fish when they when they're served. So I thought that was a very American thing. Oh, I remember the first time uh, I have dinner uh, at our friend Ruger's house after, um, you know, he he became uh, uh, he was engaged, you know, to a Filipino woman. And it was the first time I had seen fish served fully intact. And I was like, not ready for that. Like, like I hadn't eaten fish in over 20 years at that point, but, but I so was you're saying that unlike the, that. unlike the Japanese, there wasn't a discussion as to who gets the head. That's a different story. I'll, oh, no, <laughs> no, no. All right. So now moving on to the, to the, ne- to the next trope, uh, songs, Biff, what are the best Christmas songs? Give us some of your favorite Christmas hey, I songs. Hate, I, I hate to say this, but my favorite Christmas song is not a Christmas song. And I'm going to have to say, my favorite holiday song is the Hanukkah song. And, and it kind of pains me to say this because, you know, Adam Sandler is kind of like, you know, in many ways, there's a little bit of that 
he, I have a love-hate relationship in regards to Adam Sandler product, but I, 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 I hate, I can't not like the Hanukkah song and the variants that, you know, you know, he's had on it. He's kind he kind of nailed it to me. So I, I'm going to go with the Hanukkah song as the, uh, my favorite Christmas, but not really Christmas holiday song. Yeah, you, you know, yet, yet yet another shot fired in the war on Christmas, Joe. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mind. I actually, you know, Adam no. Sandler when I was growing up was like a, a comedy god, and you know, I was in high school when he hit when his first album came out, when the Hanukkah song came out. So I was. So that's, the, the, that's then that's a kind of a fascinating thing, right? Because I associate uh, Adam Sandler as a guy who was a uh, kind of this recurring character on MTV's Remote Control. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. That's, Right. Ken, so that's, Ken Ober. That's, Ken which, Ober. Right. Which, by the if, by the way, if I wasn't watching Game Center CX on uh, on the internet, I'd be watching old episodes of Remote Control on YouTube. I because, mean, back then I was a as you should lead MTV junkie. So great show. I wish. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Ken Ober. And uh, I, you know, I think that I think because he died, that's the reason why they didn't bring back Remote Control. That and MTV doesn't show music videos. But anyway, yeah. and Colin yeah. wasn't Colin Quinn the sidekick. Yes, Colin, Colin Quinn was the sidekick, and not only that, um, what's his face, um, uh, uh Dennis, uh, what's his face, Dennis the, Leary. Dennis Leary was also a a recurring character on that, and Carrie Worrer was Harry one Worry, of the. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good times. Well, give me, give me, give me a couple. Ain't we lucky we got him? Uh, give me a couple other songs, Biff. As far as Christmas song goes, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Come on, the other ones like. I will say that you know the uh, grandma got run over by a reindeer. What? Who the heck came up with that song? That is a garbage song and it's dark as fuck. Well, um, you know, it, it came out in the eighties, right? Like it was early eighties. Yeah, whatever. It was like a novelty song. It was very yeah. Doctor Demento esque. You know, it was perfect for you know. There was it, it, it's it's kind of like that hillbilly yeah. weird owl yeah. vibe. You know, right, sure, right, sure. right, right. Now, no. yeah. Now, and and as far as actual performance goes you know mariah carey uh, just completely nails it right yes. all i want for christmas is you i mean you know say what you will about mariah carey songs that lady can freaking sing i mean yes. she's and so as far as execution goes uh you know that one you know uh is is up there and once again i also hate to admit it um um you know don henley's please come home for christmas I don't know if it's Don Henley or if it's the Eagles. Uh, I yeah, hate yeah. to admit that I like that song, but that was a pretty good, pretty well executed song. And then the other garbage song, I hate to say this because he is like, you know, in my mind, the greatest Beatle. Simply having a, a wonderful Christmas time. What a garbage song. Oh, yeah. my, oh God. my God. I, I, oh, my that, God, Paul McCartney. That's, You're a musical genius. Well, you know, when we doing? were writing that song, you know, it, it, you know, I, I was going to write that with the Beatles, you know, but then I thought, well, may, you know, maybe I'll save this for when I do my own thing. Right. And, you know, then oh you know, if, if that's a, it's a way to, to get, uh, a, you know, more revenue, you know, you need a Christmas song. It's everything's jingle this and, and ringle that, you know? So I thought, you know, make it more of a boopity boppity kind of thing, you know, <laughs> keep going. Uh, oh my God. There, there, there are, there are a few songs that get under my wife's skin more than that. I, I think Welcome to the Jungle 
and having you know uh simply having simply having you know it, well, well, i'm it, not a huge dnr fan that's a great song well the, the well, irony is she she loves all of those bands from that era from the sunset strip except them but no the, you know the sad irony is i'm not a dnr fan like i could i gnr was big in the sunset strip when i was hanging around at the sunset strip and I said yeah i don't really like these guys so i never i i had all ample opportunity to see them at the cat club and all these little clubs never went to see them because i thought they sucked no uh but getting on to staying positive for just a moment here are the best songs in case you don't know it uh take out a pen get out some paper and i'll uh drop some knowledge on you uh christmas and hollis by run dmc it's yeah, just it's yeah. just a great song. Yeah, uh, agreed. Last Christmas is a fun song. It's a great Last song. It, it is. I gave me my heart, heart. but the, the very, very next, next day, day you gave it away. Gave this it away. Year. You know, you know what we have in common with <laughs> nothing. Um, nothing. Nothing. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town by the boss is fun. I'm uh, sorry. I yeah. like it. I like when he starts laughing. I like the banter. It's so campy. We've heard it a billion times. It is still fun. You know, like already talked, the Peanuts Christmas music is just epic. Okay, call call me, call me a sellout. But I'm, I'm 13, I'm 14. When do they know it's Christmas? That that is a great song. That is that is really well. That was a well well made song. And 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 and, uh, you know, I love I love everything about it. I love that. You know, I love that Phil Collins is the drummer. I love that John Taylor is the bass player. I love, you know, all those singers, you know. Are- I, I'll, I'll say this. On that song, I think that Paul Young is totally un- underrated in that song. Oh, my God. Paul Young's part. And I'm not a huge Paul Young fan, but my God, that dude can actually sing. I I, I just do. I love that song. I. What about uh, War is Over? Yeah. That's on the list. That's on the list. I mean, you know, like, look, look, the Lennon McCartney debate will go on forever. That round clearly went to John and Yoko. Right. Clearly about, to John. How about, uh, do you have uh, Stevie Wonder's Someday in Christmas? Oh, it's so great. I mean, that right? that that is just, that is that is a class. I also, I do, I love Blue Christmas. I love Elvis's, oh, I have a blue ooh, ooh, Christmas without you. you. You probably have Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, somewhere in there. You know, if I would have written it, if I would have written that song, it would be more like I have a bloopity bloopity Christmas, you know, <laughs> kind of make it a little bit more uppity zippity do. Anyway. Oh, it's so great to have Sir Paul McCartney with us. It, 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 it is just, true. It is I true. know what your number one song is going to be. Uh, uh, you know, because I'm a racist, White Christmas, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I mean, if I didn't like it, uh, you know, I do love, I do love, um, I'll be home for Christmas, and I, I almost don't care who sings it, whether whether it's a Bing Crosby version, whether it's a Pat Boone version, you know, whether it's a new Michael Bublé version. I, I do love, <laughs> I'll be home for Christmas. Uh, but what's what's the number one? What's the I know what one? your number one is going to be, and but it it's is. not. It, it's 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 the YouTube version of uh, Christmas, baby, please come home. And every <laughs> time I hear that, like if you ask the Alexa to play it, or or like the Christmas station, you know, here it's one hundred six point seven, uh, which by the way 
it's been all Christmas songs all the time at the house for the last month. And, it, and it's great. Over the last couple of weeks anyways. And it, what's fun about the Alexa. Wait, wait, 106.7 is a station in your area? Magic. Yeah. 106.7. Magic. 106.7. Wow. So the same number that is K-Rock is like, wow. Yep. And, but, but it's great. But Alexa, you could say, play funny Christmas songs. And you get these blinking lights, these blinking Christmas lights, or, or the 12 panes of Christmas. The 12 panes of Christmas. Oh, my God. It's a yeah. fun song. Shut up, you. <laughs> you think you're so smart? You ring up the lights. She's a witch. I don't even, I I don't even know half these people. <laughs> She's a witch. I hate her. You know? uh, no, we, lo- we love that. But you're right. You know, baby, it's Christmas. Please. But every time I hear the first couple notes, I'm like, oh, gra- oh, it's and look, look, it, the, the original, you know, Darlene Love. Produced by, uh, produced by, um, who's our lawyer friend? Taylor's friend there, um, Phil Spector. Phil Spector, thank you, uh. Phil, Phil Spector. <laughs> hey, look, you know, guy shot one woman, but put out a lot of great fucking music. We'll call it a draw. Oh yeah, I <laughs> guess imprisoning, you know, Ronnie Spector is 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 a wash. I guess right. Yeah. But, but 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 seriously, you're right, Joe. That's it. It's like every I, time I hear Bono's voice, it's like. But oh. the Darlene Love version. Now, okay, which movie do you associate that song with when you hear it? Uh, you know, when you hear that bang, that sort of wall of sound beginning, and then you hear. The snow's coming down, and like I don't, I think it's either going to be Gremlins, or because that's the beginning song of Gremlins, or Goodfellas when they yep. made, when they did the Lufthansa oh heist. Oh my god, I Ugh. completely forgot about that in Goodfellas. Ugh. Take Holy it crap. back, take it back. I don't care where you got it from. Take Holy it back. What are you crap. stupid? No, no, no. It's in my mother's name. <laughs> I, I absolutely the the other one. That that whether you're li- if you say Alexa play Christmas songs whether you put on 106 you keep hearing different versions of Hallelujah which you know for an atheist to be one of my favorite songs Hallelujah That's a Christmas song it's on the it's which which every time it comes on I'm like this is a Christmas song but you know <laughs> but but it, but it, but is it an ogre song according according you know I think it's an ogre song. And it's funny because I was I was telling my wife, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I keep hearing different versions, but I'm like, yeah, I love Leonard Cohen. I love Leonard Cohen. And she's like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, what? yeah, like, but but I'm like, you know, what? his songs, because I'm like, he has a few songs that you literally have heard covered a thousand times. And she's like, I don't think I've ever heard this song. And so what? right away, I called up Zack Snyder's like Justice League. It's like it, it opens with a version of Hallelujah. And she's like, oh, yeah. Oh I said, yeah. I remember when I was watching this with you, you're like, how do you know this song? I'm like, it's Leonard Cohen. How do you not know this song? You know, but I will say in her defense, in her defense, Neil from the Young Ones classically said, and let's oh my face God, it, the young ones. everything that Neil said on God the Young Ones. MTV used to be great. He, when he when he said he goes, he, you know, his his roommates aren't listening, he goes, no one listens to me. I might as well be a Leonard Cohen album. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that might have been my my introduction to Leonard Cohen. But yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I and as much as I was just talking about like you know the Bowie Bing Crosby thing, uh, as as much as their uh their relationship wasn't simpatico, their Christmas their Christmas song is great. I love it. I you know I I absolutely love it. But Christmas so is- like you know that going back to young ones like one of the dudes from the young ones I can't I can't remember his name was he did a movie with Phoebe Cates who was in Goonies the you know something uh something Drop about Dead Fred yeah right 
Drop Dead Fred, right? We talked about that's funny yeah. you mentioned that. We were like that came up in conversation a while, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, she, yeah. she, she, she's he, he's great. I, I had it that was yeah. You were talking to the wife about that, Joe, when you were over. It's one of those movies where I hadn't seen it. It offended the wife's sensibilities that I haven't seen it. So we sat down and watched. I'm like, how haven't I seen it? Yeah, it was the guy it's, who it's played. A great, it's a great crappy movie. It's I don't know how to categorize that. So but it's, so yeah. so yeah. So so. Baby, it's Christmas, you know, baby, please come home by, by U2's version, you know, uh, do they know it's Christmas, last Christmas, Christmas and Hollis, just listen to Christmas and Hollis on a loop. But at the same time, as much as Christmas music has brought us joy, even the 12 Pains of Christmas, all these things, Christmas has also brought us some of the worst songs ever. I, I, I implore one of you guys to tell me a more pandering song to the Italian American community than Dominic the Christmas donkey. Yeah, oh Is it the worst Christmas song or the worst song ever? I mean, it's not going to be the worst song ever, but it is pretty bad, right? It, it, it's like I, it, I'll, I'll I'll say this: it's it's really really bad, but I still stand by my simply having a wonderful Christmas time only because it's more prolific. Right, right. Well, I was driving with the little guy today and he heard that song for the first time. And as I quickly go to change the station, he's like, wait, wait, what? What the fuck's a Christmas donkey? <laughs> and, you know, and, it's awful. Yeah. And I told him, yeah, it's bad. It's awful. But at least it's not. Well, you know, it is. It's worse than I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. What? What? What the fuck? Like, like oh. I mean, was there a contest in the 50s to have the stupidest song? I know what song you want to get. A, you want a song that's going to like get really grind my gears for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, let's bring it. Fucking Santa, baby. Go oh, fuck yourself. Go so, yeah. fuck yourself. You know whose version is really awful of that? Madonna's. Everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> well, Madonna. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Santa, baby is just like, I, I, I huh? think of the boys. I haven't, you know, it's like, shut up, whore. Right. Santa <laughs> Funda- baby. Fundamentally, fundamentally kind of s- even semi-sexualizing Santa is just gross, right? You I know, mean, I mean, granted, granted, the Jackson 5, and, and I'm a fan of the Jackson 5. It, 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 it's pretty touchy-feely, Mikey. Um, uh, I saw Mommy's Kids in Santa Claus. You know, that's about as sexualized as I want Santa to get. That That's about it. You know, and wait even a, that. Wait a minute. I just got it. Santa is being kissed by Mommy because Santa is Daddy. I Whoa. got it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then there goes the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you monster. No, I, uh, but honestly, we have so many great Christmas songs. It's funny Christmas songs as this, but Dominic the Christmas Donkey, I want to hit the pie for Christmas. And I'm going to go with Biff. I'm going to say, like, simply have, because it's, it's so such, prolific. Such a garbage song. Because and it's you know, Sir Paul McCartney. You know what it, you know what it is? It's, the, it's a garbage song. But it's, it's like, it's as if, like, a great musical genius like Prince wrote some garbage song. It's like when you have a musical genius writing a garbage song, it just makes it even worse. Right, exactly. And it and that doesn't see the light of day if it's the third place finisher on American Idol season seven. You right, know? right, absolutely. Like, like, like the record executives would be like, oh, hey, I want you to take these tapes, drive them out to the desert, and burn them and oh then bury God. the ashes. What's your uh, what's your stance on baby? It's cold outside because you know what? I kind of like baby. It's cold outside. 
it, it, that's a tough one, right? Because there's that whole, you know, kind of not say a, what's not, in this drink for the woke community and stuff like that. But I, you know, I don't hate that song. I don't. I think of it as a song between two consensual adults who are just yeah, having a flirty kind of moment. That. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. You know. Yeah, it, it's a woke culture, man. Although you know, I'm 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 on Esquire's uh, 20 worst Christmas songs. Uh-huh. Do they know it's Christmas? Is on number six. <laughs> that is wrong. That is hundred percent wrong. Well, Although Santa, you know what? Santa, I, go ahead. I'm going to take out a subscription to Esquire so I can then cancel it. And I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is number three. That, that's uh, right. Yeah. But you know what? We're all in agreement. We can all agree that Paul McCartney and Wings <laughs> Wonderful Christmas Time is the number one worst Christmas song oh of all my time. God. Although I didn't realize that Icky Pop did a version of White Christmas and that made this list. I had no idea either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but, it, it, you know, it, well, it's Iggy Pop singing, you know, I mean, it's like exactly what you think. If you never heard it, eh, think about it for a second. You're listening to it in your head right now. Uh, like Paul McCartney, I think Iggy Pop can get a pass on it. Now, now, Biff, Biff has suggested, and I'll, I'll, you know, this is Biff's real forte. Biff, best Christmas foods. Well, <laughs> as a Japanese, I think I'm obligated to say Kentucky Fried Chicken. But I will say this. Not turkey is going to be number one, but I'm a huge fan of the rib roast for Christmas because it's the most delicious. And and I'm not talking to you, Jacques, because I know you're going to go straight for the fucking to- tofu, right? I, I I cannot wait. I'm counting. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. But I, I will say that, you know what? Go with a freaking traditional rib roast because, you know, there is no such thing as a traditional uh, Christmas meal. Like if you're if you're cooking turkey on Christmas, I'm sorry, but you know what? Jesus never saw a turkey. I'm sorry, but nothing is looks more succulent than a Tom and Jerry Christmas ham. Yeah, you remember? Yeah, God, God, <laughs> ham with a big bone I, in the middle. I think oh 100% ham is fine, but I, I'm saying anything but the freaking turkey because tr- number one, my hot food take turkey is a garbage meat. And it is. No. And you know what, Biff? I, I, I actually heard somebody doing a good breakdown of this. Turkey is so bad, you have to drown it in gravy. Like the you have only to way, it. yeah. Right. The only but, way it's bearable, you know. But I mean, it, and so maybe for this country, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal because it is a, a very American meat. But I'm sorry, it sucks, you know. It and does. May, yeah. So I would say anything but the turkey is number one. And then number two, I am, uh, I prefer the rib, the standing rib roast, but I also like the ham. So I think those are, those are my favorite uh, Christmas stuff. And uh, everything else is like, yeah, whatever. What, what about it, Joe? And, and, and I mean this in all sincerity. Is there any special Portuguese like Christmas, like delicatessens or, or, or dining delicious treats that you remember or like? There might be, there might be some Portuguese dishes that I just don't like. In Portuguese, very like, Portuguese cuisine is very rich. It's very like fish. It's fish heavy, but also like very, you know, like linguiça sausage kind of, you know, oil yep. based food heavy. So, but I can't think of like a traditional Portuguese Christmas dish. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I kind of like, uh, what do, what's my my go-to but no, I don't have, there's no real Portuguese cuisine that, uh, that, that speaks Christmas. I mean, um, I don't know. It's uh, I'm not a big uh, like Christmas dinner food person. I, I like the sweets. 
of Christmas, you know, I like the, like the chocolate, uh, like the Lintz chocolate. God damn. When I see the Lintz chocolate bags, those, yep, the, yep. The, the, I see those every year. I go, God damn it. It's Christmas. And actually this time of the year, you go to Trader Joe's and they have those Christmas chocolate boxes that are like, it, it's those ridiculous boxes that are like two feet long because yeah. I don't know that I don't know why they can't just put it into a traditional box that's like you know maybe stacked two layers they have to put it in these two foot long boxes that is like if you want to wrap it it's like impossible but but going back to your Portuguese roots so I spent some time in Hawaii where there is a significant uh, Portuguese um, uh, influence there and one of my favorite um uh things about christmas was that my neighbor had this portuguese sausage stuffing which is absolutely fantastic so yeah. linguisa stuffing yeah is, is amazing yeah we we know how to make a good linguisa we can turn that in. we can we, we can probably make a like like a, a linguisa you know you know slushy if we <laughs> oh <laughs> put our minds well, to it so that, that's the funny thing right so uh linguisa well in hawaii they just call it portuguese sausage but it's so ingrained in, ingrained in Hawaiian culture that if you go to McDonald's, Portuguese sausage is a sausage option for breakfast. Ooh, linguisa. I like to see that at Dunkin' Donuts. Well, it, <laughs> it, what it is, you know, they have the sausage patties that is essentially flavored like a linguisa. Yeah. But um, there, and there's a whole host of Hawaiian linguisa brands, <laughs> which is kind of wacky, but. I hope so, that Burger King comes up with the impossible linguisa so Jacques can have a good taste. I, oh count, my God, it is moments. so good. Yeah. The, you know, it, it really is the spice combinations that make it great. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I don't, I haven't had linguisa in a long time. Uh, really? I'm so sorry. So yeah, it's all right. I, I, another, so basically my favorite food, so even before you know, it's Thanksgiving dinner. It's the same thing. It's like cranberry, that's all that. Love to me to turferky. Uh, here's some of the things that I hate. And I know you guys want eggnog. It's gross. I'm sorry. I, liked, I, I you know what? I was a gross person growing up. I liked eggnog. Uh, I like eggnog. I do walk by cartons of eggnog now and go, Ugh. yeah, but, uh, but, but if it were served at a party that I was invited to, and it was an option. I might have a a, a, a small glass just to, just for old time's sake. Yeah. I think I would overdo it on the eggnog. I mean, I didn't, you know, I like that sort of rich, creamy kind of thick, viscous kind of flavor. Okay, I don't know. So do, you, do you do you spike your eggnog? No, no, I'm a, so I'm a square like, man. Okay, so I I do like eggnog a lot, but I don't buy it because uh, I'm the only one that drinks it. So I'll have to drink the entire carton, and it's just. Too rich, yeah. but one of my favorite eggnog spiking is the eggnog with Kahlua. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, that sounds uh, good. I, I, another thing that puts me on the outs with uh, with some people, I I talk about Christmas being my favorite time of year. Candy canes suck. Candy, candy canes, canes do suck. suck. That's garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, I don't know. I I candy again, cane is the can is the caramel is the, the caramel is corn or the candy corn, corn. christmas are, yeah. are there candy any good hard candies like like is there any hard candies that your grandmother used to like that you would eat today butterscotch the werther's i think werther's <sighs> yeah werther's originals butterscotches yeah. yeah 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 i think that's the only one the spirit uh, yeah like the, the peppermint the ones they can and they can, uh, peppermint yeah. can just they can suck yeah. a cane yeah they, they could just Gin it, yeah. gingerbread another one gingerbread no no if you i mean the only good thing about gingerbread is like the whipped cream topping that's it gingerbread it, on its own is kind of garbage yeah go look, ahead yeah gingerbread is so bad 
it's how bad is it it's used as building materials during (laughs) christmas time (laughs) lumber it's literal like lumber for you know a gingerbread house i'll say Uh that gingerbread if it's that gingerbread cookie if it's not made too brittle the kind of the semi-soft gingerbread with the appropriate cream you know icing on it i think is okay Mm. but i mean that's the that's the problem right you have to kind of hit that for me you have to nail that sweet spot for it to be okay so yeah just get the chocolate chip cookies because gingerbread is the it's the turkey of, of of the of the cookie that's a, that's a, that is actually a freaking 100 accurate analysis was yeah. was there so, ever was there ever really a time when fruitcakes were oh oh they're bringing fruitcake to the party like who I, ever thought that was a good idea i think that was like that had to have been like during world war ii when they had literally nothing else to make a cake with because of rationing <laughs> like they're like what do we have or that we can serve and it's you know yeah you know, well, it, it was similarly once again it's kind of forcing it, but uh, so there's the Italian kind of fruitcake-ish thing, the panettone. Mm. I've made French toast with panettone, panettone, and it's actually pretty good. But if you have to go through all that work to make that thing taste good, <laughs> you know that it's, it's just one of those things that, yeah, it sucks and you have to put, it, put in work to make it taste good. Uh, guys, this is a lot of fun. So just to, just to recap, the best Christmas specials are uh, Prepton Landing and the best movies, Wonderful Life, Scrooge, Elf, Nightmare Before Christmas and Best Christmas Song, Christmas in Holland. And we are you all talk about the Pixies now. Like, yeah, like, dude, how, Pixies? Much, how much time do you got? Like literally, if the if the Pixies, you're lucky the Pixies never put out a Christmas album because we would do a deep dive into Black Francis's take of uh I don't know. Did I mention that one time I, I was uh, getting my luggage in LAX and then I was standing next to the uh, bre- the breeders? That's pretty awesome. I, I was standing next to the Deal Sisters. I didn't want to harass them because you know. They look tired and, you know, they're getting luggage and I'm not going to fucking harass them. But I, I was like standing next to the Beale sisters, which was kind of cool. That is kind of cool. The uh, Pixies did do a song called The Holiday Song, which I'm sure you're well aware of. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, was that on Trump Lamont or was that on Come on Pilgrim? Come on Pilgrim. Ah, see, I knew I had to think about it. OK, um, I don't know what song we're going to go out on, but but I would really like to go out on Joe singing uh, Blue Christmas. But as Paul McCartney doing an imitation of Elvis. Oh, man. All right. Let me see if I can pull up the lyrics. Oh yeah. Well, so thanks for watching our our, our get back little wobbly dobbly special. It was it was it was real it was real mod man. It was real uh it was real groovy making that uh that special with uh, with John and Ringo and and George and the other George and the other John and the other is I'm sure there's another Paul in there somewhere. I don't know. But here's a little song I like to sing around the house around Christmas time that isn't my own. It's a it's uh, I'll have a blue Christmas by uh, you know that uh, you know the, the king baby. Hey, I'm Elvis. I'm the king. Look at me. Huh? I'm an American icon. I, I died on the toilet when I was 43 or whatever. Okay, uh, here we go. I'll have a blue Christmas. Uh, you know, baby, I can't hear you when you do the backup. So you know, this has got to be a solo thing. You know. <laughs> Do you want me to do this fucking bit? Do you not want me to do the fucking bit? I'll have a blue Christmas without you 
uh, I'll be so blue, you know, not kind of like the normal blue, you know, uh, not sad blue. I mean, more of a more of a navy blue Christmas. Just thinking about you, uh, decorations of of red, and on a green Christmas tree. You know, we have, it, it's it's funny because if you cut it down a Christmas tree, it goes from green down to brown. If you leave it, you know, without water for too long, it gets real sad, man. So you got to put a lot of a lot of jibblies on it, and uh, it won't be the same. If you're not here with me, and when those blue snowflakes start falling, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> it's, it, this is. I, I wanted to bail on this immediately. Uh, no, no. Oh my god, it's, but, it, man, it was classic. Uh, that stunk. Thank, oh, thank oh, goodness oh, that you know John you. prepared you. Oh, I, I will. I will tell you four seconds of you know preparation. One, one, right? one, one of the awesome, and I've and you know I'll, we'll cut this out. But one of the awesome things about the Beatle things is like they're crediting people in the background. When, when Joe was like, "Oh, there's another Paul," I'm thinking, it's like, wait. Is that is that the same Alan Parsons? And I look it up. He's like, Alan Parsons is an 18 year old like engineer assistant on the last two Beatle albums. And it's like, OK, so I'm 52 and I've gone nowhere in my life. He at 18 has accomplished more than I will in my entire life. There, there, if you want, if you look at liner notes on random things, it, you'll see some crazy stuff like. One of my favorites is that, you know, I, I, do you guys know who Thin Lizzy is? Oh, hell they, yeah. They, Lizzie, they're yeah. The, guys that the boys are back in town. going to be a jailbreak. Yeah, right, right. So they have, they have like this, this within the hard rock world, uh, you know, they have this uh, live and dangerous is like kind of one of those, you know, one of the greatest live albums of the hard rock genre. And if you look at the liner notes on it, you'll see that Huey Lewis is playing harmonica on that album. Yeah, man. Now, he was like the Billy Preston for Thin Lizzy. Like, you Except know, he would just pop in. On harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're right. So there's, there's these random things in there. So if you look at, you know, like, like liner, well, that's one of the things that people miss out on by not buying albums is that people don't get liner notes because liner notes are fantastic. Right. No. Yeah. You, you would sit there and you like, you know, you'd listen to the music and then you'd read like every single like piece of text. You like yep. pour over the pictures and the album yep. like they fold it out and stuff yep. and you read the lyrics yeah. and yeah, good yeah. stuff. You'll find out that Toto is like the one of the most important bands in the history of 80s music because you look at some of the you look at the Randy Newman albums, you look at the Michael Jackson albums and hey, look at that. It's Toto that's playing all the instruments. What the fuck? Yeah, no, and, it's true. Yeah, and by the way, uh, since we're off on the rails here, I might as well just throw in a random R.I.P. Uh, Mike Nesmith of, oh, the, of the Monkees. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, 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 I'm dead serious, and, and I was texting with Joe and a couple other friends. The first concert that I went to was at Old Sullivan Stadium, which was a shithole of shitholes, and it was, I want to say it was there. 20th reunion tour or 20th anniversary wow. tour yeah it was like 1986 wow. 1986 or 1987 and mike 86, Nes yeah. yeah mike nesmith's another one of those guys where you look at like yeah he did some real shit and it, and after the monkeys he did some real shit and it's you know he he went on to produce some great movies like repo man he you know basically was a pioneer in the mtv like you know the the, the forefront of of music videos being a thing 
Uh, yeah, no, he was he was great. He was great, and and I was, well, I was and, and I think he's like, isn't he like um like a child of the person who invented liquid paper? Yes, right. Right. Yeah. He, like he had a few money, like right around when right. the monkeys took off. So like he basically right. didn't need to do any of yeah. the reunions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I, I think getting to the MTV thing, I think MTV wanted, they approached Mike Nesmith to kind of run MTV or like when they were wow. first starting like that, like, okay. he, and then he was like, nah, I'm going to like write music instead, or I'm just going to not do that because that there, sounds like work and I don't yeah, need to. Yeah. There, there are some, you know, like there's some monkey stuff that's like, there's, there's all the known songs. Like I think daydream believer is a, it's a, it's a, it's a Neil Diamond song. I want to say that and I'm a believer. Right? Yeah. I'm a believer. Right. But mm-hmm. there's some like anti Matilda is, it's kind of it's a wacky song that I think is a monkey's a, a real monkey song that is like I, I just feel like it's kind of the under the radar people should have a better appreciation of things like that right but you know as a guy who grew up in the 70s watching monkeys uh reruns you know the, you know that, that that's actually a, a very special band you know in my heart so yeah, yeah, no, we we did here relentlessly. They were on reruns, and yep. and you know it was and it was sad because I you know I didn't know I I still don't know was it unexpected was he dealing with anything? No, I think he just died of old age. He was seventy eight. Yeah. You know, he had a they he literally they he and Mike Mickey Dolans performed at the Hollywood Bowl like right, three right. weeks prior to his death, yeah. and it was they 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 deemed that as the final performance. Like right. they, so I don't know. If, there was inklings that like maybe I guess his health was waning and stuff. But although I did read a nice little article that his manager, um, I guess he responded like after his death that he could sense or he could tell that Mike Nesmith finally got how important the monkeys was in these like the zeitgeist, like towards the end of his life. You know, he kind of he he didn't really appreciate, I guess, or maybe didn't see like how impactful that you know the the band and the music was in american pop culture until like you know later in his in his life one other little side note um you know he wrote that um that song um different drum yes or that you know you know what song you and i Uh, yeah no to the beat of a different drum drum. yeah 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 he he wrote that one so that's a little you know non-monkey song um mary mary he wrote that that's a good song yeah jeez yeah yeah no and it's funny because i did see the monkeys another time with the other three you know what i mean it's because those guys had a tour those yeah. the, the, those guys this was their mail right right like you said he had the you know fuck you money yeah um well this was gentlemen this was great joe always always you know it it, it does my heart good just to, to just you know see that you haven't gone to the <laughs> rickety stool and rope store like every day you answer the phone or return a text i'm like okay it's, so every text is a wellness check as well that's right, right. That's that's right. the way i'm saying it but uh I, I'm, I'm now going to go upstairs but i will check in on you guys thank you very much yep thank you merry christmas you all Billing is low. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, are we going to say goodbye to the podcast? I forget. Uh, we didn't really end anything. Like, yeah, there was no ending to that podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? I'll, I'll Merry freaking Christmas. <laughs> you you, you want to give us a don't forget, Joe? <laughs> don't forget, Joe.